Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast, your number one spot to get mentoring, guidance, and behind the scene learnings to help you understand what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale your packaged food or beverage business. On the show, you'll hear from food founders at various stages of growth, and you'll hear from me and my 14 years of packaged food and beverage experience. Each episode is packed with insights, inspiration, and learning to help you on your food business journey. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Before we jump into today's show, I want to thank our sponsor, the Food Brands That Sell program. Food Brands That Sell is a six-week deep dive into the CPG industry and teaches you how to win within that industry by creating a brand that you, retailers, and consumers love. Here's what a recent alumni had to say about the program. I am so grateful that I chose to do Food Brands That Sell. I learned so much about myself, my journey, and my company. These six weeks changed how I'm doing my business, and I can see the difference already. I no longer feel alone. If you aren't already on the waitlist, hop on over to foodbrandsthatsellwaitlist.com or grab the link below to make sure that you are first to know when the program is accepting new students. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Haji Singh, the co-founder of Loki Enhanced Sculpture. This is a really interesting beverage, doing some really great stuff in this space and super new to the category and to the industry. So really excited to have you on here, Harji. Hey guys, how's it going? Can you just introduce everyone? What is Loki? So Loki is what we're calling an enhanced seltzer. And essentially we are trying to position this product as the perfect or the go-to alternative to alcoholic seltzers or hard seltzers. And you know, we're trying to say an enhanced seltzer is it's a seltzer that you can drink and it's going to give you some sort of effects, whether it's like black effects or whatever have you. Because you know, when you do drink a hard seltzer, you do get drunk or um you know, you'll feel something off of it. So we're calling, we're trying to carve a new category of seltzers, calling them enhanced seltzers. You know, we see the industry, uh, the beverage world going into these alcoholic alternatives, whether it's euphorics or CBD or whatever have you. There's, we, we, we saw that there was like a huge market for people looking for these alcoholic alternatives. And why did you decide to go and, hey, let me go and create this new category versus, I mean, you could have just thrown another CBD beverage in the market. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the thing is that, first of all, we, we did a lot of market research and saw that there was this sort of demand for alcoholic alternatives with the age groups, I would say between 18 all the way to 45. This age group's been looking for alcohol alternatives for a while now. And there's been a lot of players in the space that came out, whether it's, again, like I said, beverages claiming to have adaptogens or euphoric beverages or uh, even CBD beverages. But the problem was that none of these actually did anything. When I say did anything, is like you have one or two and you're not going to really feel much off of it. They all made claims. And believe me, here at Loki, the team has tried probably everything on the shelf that <laughs> is an alcoholic alternative. So we know they all claim to kind of do things, but they really didn't really do much. And if somebody is looking for an alternative to alcohol, they're also looking for some sort of effect out of it, right? Believe it or not, it wasn't until like Sumerians invented alcohol that humans started looking for some sort of effect out of a beverage other than just quenching your thirst. So, you know, if it's not 
providing some sort of effect or some sort of feeling while you're consuming it in a social setting, it really isn't an alternative to alcohol, right? So we figured, hey, let's create a drink using Delta 8 THC, by the way, which I'll get to in a second why we chose that, that you know, a, a consumer could have a few of these, one, one or two or three or four. We know some people that have drank up to like you know, 12 in one, one sitting and feel something off of it, uh, feel some sort of psychoactive effect off of it that makes you feel, some claim that it makes them feel a little bit more creative, some claim it makes them feel a little bit more sociable. And the beauty of it is that you're not going to be hung over the next day. So I'm in my 30s now. My hangovers are so bad that every time I drink, I feel like I'm borrowing happiness from tomorrow. So, you know, <laughs> hangovers are not good anymore. So yeah, we, we kind of, believe it or not, made a beverage that we are solving our own problem in a way. So that's kind of where we are today. And we chose Delta 8 THC because, you know, if I guess the listeners who are listening to this, if you're not familiar with Delta 8 THC, it's essentially another cannabinoid from the plant. It's one of the few cannabinoids from the plant that have psychoactive effects. So anytime someone usually says THC, more likely than not, they're referring to Delta 9 THC. And Delta 9 THC is what's if you're going to smoke a joint or if you're going to eat an edible, any, any sort of cannabis product out there or a marijuana product out there, more likely than not, you're consuming Delta 9 THC. And you know the beauty of Delta 8 is it, it still gives you psychoactive effects, but they're less mild. They're, they're more mild than Delta 9 THC. It's like, it doesn't have any, it, you know, you don't get any anxiety or paranoia that you would normally get if you get a gummy, a Delta 9 gummy or, or you know, smoke a joint or anything like that. So we saw that Delta 8 lends itself to be a bit more of a social cannabinoid in a way so that it does become a more, uh, I guess, uh, alternative to alcohol instead of, you know, a lot of people will maybe smoke a joint or eat a gummy and you get so stoned that you don't, you're not social anymore or you're sitting on a couch and you're just eating food. Delta eight, on the other hand, you, know, you have a you have a delta eight product or our beverage, let's say, and you're not going to be that stoned. You're going to feel a little bit. You'll feel like uh, I want to say you'll feel a little bit high. You'll have some sort of psychoactive effect, but you're not going to be you know it's not going to feel like a truck hit and you're sitting on a, on a couch and you can't be social. Like for example, you know I, I have a few of these and speak to my parents and we're fine, that kind of thing. You know, <laughs> right, right, and I would imagine too, just with that. The wide age range of people that are looking for non-alcoholic alternatives now, they can have something that's still going to allow them to be social, that's still going to allow them to feel a little bit of an effect, but not necessarily like, what did I just do? <laughs> Type exactly. of and, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. There's there's products out there that are like, for example, Delta 8 gummies exist, right? There's Delta 8 products out there. I know people are making like vape carts and whatnot. And the reason we tr we decided to go with a beverage is because we learned that you know the barrier of entry is a lot lower for a beverage. Edibles, anyone you can ask who's had an edible before has had a bad experience in an edible, right? So we don't want it. We didn't want to create an edible before or a smokable product because the barrier of entry is a lot higher for that. When we were kind of coming up with our brand strategy for low key, one thing that the entire team said is, "Hey, we're going after the non cannabis market, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the non cannabis users because." Cannabis users for us, they're, it's low hanging fruit. It's so easy for them to purchase this product. They already know what it is, right? They they're they've already you know they smoke regularly or frequently or you know have tried cannabis products before. But we think the real market or the real sort of metric here that's going to define this being a successful product is if we can start attracting non cannabis users, right? And that's really what we're going after here. Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's such a like there's a really big market there, and you're also competing for a totally different audience by by doing that and not as yeah. like head to head with everyone else in that space. Exactly. exactly. That's why you know we, it's funny we did a huge marketing campaign in like all the large metropolitan cities, whether it's San Francisco, LA, 
Austin, New York, Miami. And the whole campaign was around, there's a big, these big billboards and like wild posts that said, the world doesn't need another hard seltzer. Say hello to the better buzz. And we really truly believe that there's, there's the, the hard seltzer market is so saturated and like guys that are killing it are going to be like the Trulies and the White Claws and the High Noons and everyone else is just trying to catch up. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. That makes so much sense. You really like made an enemy of that of that category and said, hey, there's something better here. Yeah. Talk to me about what you guys did for your marketing launch. Cause you you just launched earlier this year. Yeah. So I guess we'll backtrack a little bit. You know, we came up with the idea in January and we were in market by April. 420 exactly is when we went live with the product. We thought that very was fitting. <laughs> yeah, very fitting, right? Uh, but we were ready to go by March and the only reason we were able to move so quickly, so my background is in uh, from the creative world. I, I, I actually own an agency here in New York that does branding and marketing for CPG goods, hospitality companies, real estate companies, financial service companies. So we've been doing this for like 10 years in terms of like bringing products to market, doing the brand strategy, doing the identity design, the, the actual logos, typography systems, imagery, all that stuff, A to Z, all the way down to like the e-commerce portion and the digital marketing portion. So... We came up with the idea in January. Actually, we kind of came up with the idea at the end of December, right after the holidays. And how it all happened was it's me and two other partners that are involved right now. And the other two guys are actually from the cannabis space. And I was actually at one of their houses right after Christmas. We were just having like cocktails and, you know, having a heart. I was drinking a, a hard seltzer at the time. And it was, I think it was a high noon or, or one of those. And one of the partners was like, Hey, Jerry tried Delta 8 gummies. You want to try one? I'm like, What, what the hell is it? What's Delta 8? Now, I didn't even know what it was back then, believe it or not. Because he was, and he was giving me the whole rundown. He's like, hey, look, you know, it's, you know, uh, cannabinoid. You're not going to get as high as you would if you were to smoke a joint, blah, blah, blah. And my first take was like, oh, it's an edible. I don't want to really mess with it. But he was like, he convinced me and I tried it. And like 20, 30 minutes later, I was feeling amazing. I'm like, oh my God, like I'm not super stoned. I feel, you know, completely fine. But I feel like, you know, a little bit more social, a little bit more loose, a little high, right? And then I asked him, I'm like, hey, and as I was drinking a hard seltzer, I'm like, hey, does this seltzer exist with this yet on the market? And like nothing did at the time. There was nothing on the market that existed. And I was like, guys, let's do this. Let's create a seltzer. We have all the puzzle pieces required. I have a whole entire agency in New York that we, we can put on this project. You guys have like the, they, they actually have uh, extraction facilities that they grow hemp and extract the, you know, uh, CBD and hemp and all that stuff anyway. And they were making Delta gummies anyway. So, and the third partner actually is from the beverage world. So he has like a distribution network and all that stuff. So between the three of us, it was like, we had everything that we needed to create a product and bring it to market quickly. So January comes and I go, go back to the office and like, I told the entire team, I'm like, Hey guys, look, whatever you all are working on, put a pause to it. We're focusing all our attention on this project for the next, you know, two, three months. And I wanted to be in market by the end of March. So, you know, as we were working on the brand strategy or the branding, identity design, package design, logos, you name it, the other two gentlemen, the other two partners of mine were working on the formulation, sourcing the cans, finding the co-packers, coming up with the actual taste profiles, doing the focus groups, all that stuff was happening simultaneously while we were working on the brand. And we were able to sort of meet at the perfect middle towards the end of March and we were ready to go to market. So what we did, we did a small little campaign, which was interesting because we didn't know if this was going to be a hit or not, right? So we're like, let's do a quick product market fit and see if there's actually a demand for this. So we ran a quick campaign through social media, not any paid media, just organic social media, PR between the people that we knew, our network and whatnot. And we did a, uh, we, we allowed people to pre-order a four pack online and we had over 1500 pre-orders in like one week. 
people are like, oh my God, this is insane. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a demand for this, right? So that right there, like kind of validated our idea. And we're like, okay, this is happening, guys. Let's go 100 miles an hour. So 420 comes along and, you know, we kind of did a huge campaign with the PR team to kind of, you know, say, hey, we're here. This is what we're doing. This is who we are. This is why we're doing it. This is the product that we're offering. Uh, and here's where you can buy it. And that's kind of where it all kicked off from there. Okay. First of all, talk about a perfect team coming together. You guys all have your own like perfect like lines of expertise all just happening like to be together and talking about this. And yeah. also just honestly incredible like how quickly all of you guys are able to move on this. You know, within three months, you guys have been ready. Four months, you went to market with a product. And let's be honest, not an easy space. Like now I understand one of the partners definitely had some pieces that made that way easy to like launch earlier with that. But regardless, being able to launch a product within four months in a regulated area with a highly competitive beverage market, I mean, just hats off to you guys. That's that's really, really impressive. And I think it just goes to show the passion that you guys all had behind it and the like foresight to be like, no one is here right now. We got to be first to market with this. You know, and, and, and I'm glad we did it that early because we we do have that sort of first mover advantage right now. And we are seeing more players come into space. And I mean, what the problem with most of these new players coming into space, they are, they're still trying to go after like the cannabis industry, right? They're trying to sell to stoners. They're trying to, you know, their brand looks like a, a, like a pothead brand in a way, right? And we're trying to do the total opposite of that, right? Mm-hmm. So everything that we're doing is like trying to go a little bit more mainstream, trying to attract a little bit more... Uh, mostly non-cannabis users. And you know, it's 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 been an interesting journey. We learned so much along the way. And it's, it's just, we're really happy to be where we are right now. And we're growing pretty quickly. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really cool, um, really cool piece for sure with what you guys are doing. Talk to me about, okay, I would imagine there are some hurdles in terms of distribution and going to market. How have you guys managed that? What does your distribution look right now even? Uh, I mean, not even a year in. So, you know, it's funny, we've been approached by so many larger distribution groups that wanted exclusives. um, And we just figured, hey, it's too early in the game to give anybody an exclusive. So right now, believe it or not, we've been uh, self-fulfilling all the wholesale orders. We have a warehouse in South Carolina, and we're getting a new warehouse uh, in Texas, I think, in the next month or so, just to be a little bit in the middle of the the country to kind of help the logistics a bit better. But, you know, as soon as it's done from the co-packers, it comes to either one of the warehouses, and we have a team fulfilling all the orders as they come in, whether it's, you know, pallets or whether it's just our minimum order quantity, which is now uh, five trays. So, you know, we've been lucky enough to have a team to kind of just fulfill all the orders as they fly in. Wow. Yeah, that's great that you guys are doing that. And the fact that you saw, yeah, exclusive, exclusivity doesn't exactly make sense when you're so new in the game. Absolutely not. Yeah, we figured you know, we want to be able to see how far we can push it on our own before we kind of give a, a larger distributor a, a an exclusive. And, you know, another reason is because we gotten interest from a lot of investment groups, whether it's VC funds or ultra high net worth individuals who just want to invest in the company specifically. But we figured, hey, if we do bring on any sort of investor or do like a series A round or anything like that, more likely than not, that group's going to have a distribution network. And if we kind of sign an exclusive now, it kind of puts us in a, in a difficult situation in the future. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're really someone who, uh, and the whole team in terms of like looking like a few steps ahead, is that is that natural for you to just constantly be looking at where do we want to go five steps down the road? Is that something that you've learned over the years from running your agency and from this space? That's a really great skill to have. Uh, how have you cultivated it? You know, I think it's just been, I guess I've had like an entrepreneurial drive ever since I was younger. And, and 
both me, uh, me and the other two partners, we're all like very open to taking risks, whether it's financially or with our time or anything really. And whenever we kind of have a gut and feeling about something, we just go for it. And my whole sort of mindset has always been, if I'm going to fail, I need to fail quickly and, and adapt from there and move on. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, where that comes from in a way where we're open to taking big risks in a, in a sense. There been any big risks that you guys have taken in the business that you're like, regret? I don't want to say regret. I don't, I personally don't necessarily believe in regrets because we can always learn from them. But that you're like, oh, that was a big risk that we took that maybe we didn't need to. Nothing yet. I mean, sure, there's been things we spent money on that we probably could have avoided. But, you know, we kind of all see that as tuition money in a way because, yeah. believe it or not, this is the first beverage that we've launched, right? So we're learning so much along the way. And sometimes you're going to have to pay that token to kind of learn something by spending money on the wrong thing, so to speak. Right. Yeah. It's that price to pay for sure. And from a marketing perspective, I mean, you guys look like you're continuing to do lots on the marketing front. You guys are doing lots in the meme space from what I see. What does marketing for you guys look like based on your brand and just how you guys seem to be? I would imagine it's not uh, just running the mill trying to get in front of people in some you know, kind of generic ways. It seems like you guys are really doing things out of the box here. So what does that look like for you? Yeah. So this is always an interesting question because anybody in our space, whether it's the CBD space or hemp space or THC or anything like that, already probably knows that, you know, marketing is very challenging because we can't do any paid media on like social media ads. We can't do anything on social media ads, can't run Instagram ads, can't run Facebook ads, can't run th- anything on Reddit, Twitter, or any of those major channels where, you know, you'd be able to acquire customers for a lot less, right? So we saw that that was a big challenge in the beginning, but that challenge actually we saw turned into an opportunity because that means everybody else that's in this space can't do it either, you know, and, and, you know, we've been marketing for companies for, for almost 10 years now. So we know other methods of marketing, right? So for us, what's been really successful have been events, believe it or not. Luckily enough, I have a pretty solid network here in New York City and in Miami and in, in California as well of people and organizations that throw large events, whether it's music festivals or you know smaller events, trade show events or anything like that. Um, and events have been amazing for us. That's that's where I think we've been able to sort of build the awareness around the product the most. Um, we did stuff with Made in America Festival. I think it was not too long ago. We did stuff with Fresh Air Festival here in New York. A lot of under before New York regulations changed, we were doing like a lot of you know nightclubs and underground parties in New York to kind of get awareness around the product. Um, and that's been really successful for us for sure. So I would say for us. One of the biggest marketing pushes have been events mm-hmm. um, and sponsoring events. And we're looking into sponsoring larger events as you know time goes on. We, we're in talks with a few... Uh, it's too early for me to name drop right now, but we're in talks with like a few larger organizations to kind of be some official sponsors from some big events in, in the near future. So that's been huge for us. Obviously, social media has been huge for us as well, but more on the organic side. Uh, we did influencer marketing. Uh, we did a lot of gift boxes for celebrities and and sort of people that are socialites in cities that got these beautiful, like almost like a Rolex box, gift box with low key cans in it. And you know, that's, that was very successful for us. We're focusing a lot on, on the brand itself, everything from our packaging, right? Like you'll notice that our can doesn't even say what flavor it is. And we did that on purpose. We wanted, uh, we kind of wanted to follow the Red Bull approach in a way. For example, if you drink Red Bull, even if the can isn't present, like you drink it out of a glass somewhere, you still know it's Red Bull because of the taste, the smell, the experience with it right so we're doing the same exact thing like if you drink low key even if the can isn't present you'll know it's low key because the taste profile is so unique right and we've, we've actually been rated one of the best tasting uh like alcoholic alternative seltzers 
So we're trying to follow that whole strategy and approach. And again, like Red Bull does a lot of stuff with athletes. They sponsor a lot of athletes. They sponsor, that's their space really, but like extreme sports and whatnot. For us, we really believe in, you know, supporting and sponsoring a lot of creatives, musicians, artists, people in that kind of space. So we sponsored a few like international DJs, you know, everything down to like when they, on their riders, they have low key as, you know, a requirement. So every time they're performing in a nightclub or a festival, you'll always see low key in the background in the booth or something like that. So we've been huge on, on festivals and it's been really successful for us. That's awesome. I see your brand shine through like in everything that you guys are doing, which is incredible. Everything from packaging to how you're going to market. I love it. What you're doing from a go-to-market strategy it makes so much sense. And you are, you're paving your own path and like connecting with that, that person that you know is your audience, the influential people within that. And that trickles down and you're getting people to see that this is the product for them. If I'm at, if I'm going to yeah, see yeah. one of my favorite DJs spin and I see that they're drinking this and I see that it's being like sold everywhere, I'm probably going to try it. You know what I mean? You know, it, it's funny because for most of the sponsorships that we do, we try to keep it low key, actually. <laughs> so, like, we we we're only in the VIP areas. We're only in the green rooms. We're only in the DJ booths. You know, we're in the like the places that are hard to get into, kind of thing. And what ends up happening is people that are maybe in general admission will see somebody drinking it in the VIP area or someone in the DJ booth having it in their hand, and they get curious, like, "Oh, wait, what's that? I want, I want one." And that's where it kind of builds that man. Yeah, you you like that exclusivity that. That yeah. I want that, but I can't necessarily have it. Exactly. Oh man, exactly. that's so huge right now. One thing that we did, one one of our sort of brand strategies was be exclusive but be accessible, right? When I what I mean by that is it should you should see a celebrity drinking it, but at the same time, you should be able to walk into your local deli or bodega and pick it up very easily. That's that's our whole kind of motto there. Sounds super cool. Um, okay, you touched on something earlier that I'm really curious about. You mentioned that the product would have a very distinct, like it has a very distinct taste, similar to a Red No, You didn't say similar to a Red Bull, but just like if I drink Red Bull, I can tell it's a Red Bull, regardless of the can around. I mean, yeah, so I'm sure it's hard to put it in words, but what does Loki taste like? So the, the black can that we launched is more on the citrus side. It's more like a lemony lime flavor. Um, and the reason we chose that is by doing focus groups, we learned that that's the most popular flavor that people are drawn to. And if we want to sort of, scale quickly, we have to pick a flavor that people like the most. So it's definitely on the more lemony lime side. We like to say it's lightly carbonated because it's not super carbonated. And we did that on purpose as well. Uh, when we were doing our taste testings and stuff like that, we noticed that if it's too carbonated, people can't drink it quickly and you'll get bloated fast. So it has a very light carbonation to it. So it's very refreshing. It tastes amazing, chilled or over ice. And, and you know, it is on the lemony lime side for sure. Okay. And where can people get this right now? You're obviously doing DTC. You're expanding rapidly. Can people get this all across the country right now? Yeah. So there's certain states that we don't sell in only because of regulations. I think it's about 13 or 14 states that we don't sell in, but you should be able to, we have online, we have a store locator on our website. Um, you can kind of just check where they're selling it nearby you and, or you can just order directly online. And if you're in one of the states that we're allowed to sell to, you'll get it within like, like you buy it today, you'll most likely than not get it like in two days or so. Awesome. Great. Yeah. And what is, um, I got two more questions for you. What's what's next for you guys? What are you working on next? I mean, again, super impressed with what you guys have done in the last less than 12 months. Uh, what's coming up in the next 12 months from what you can share? So we are working on a new flavor already and it's going to be, so we launched the black can. The, the idea with the black can was to kind of position it more in that festival scene, you know, nightclubs, um, like, you know, parties and whatnot. 
that was like the whole market strategy for the black can. So in the next four months or so, we should be launching the white can. The white can is going to be a beautiful matte white can with a purple hologram logo on it. That flavor is going to be more on the tropical fruity side. And for that, we're, we're, we want to bring that one to market around spring of 2022. And for that, we're imagining people drinking it on the beach, being on a yacht or being by the pool or being on a rooftop somewhere. That's kind of the whole vibe we're going with with the white can. And then after that, we're planning, hopefully, to launch a bottle version, which is going to be like a 750 milliliter bottle. And the idea for that would be to, you know, you're out at dinner with your friends. You can order it like you order wine and share it with four or five people. Very cool. Very cool. I look forward to watching you guys grow with different products and just seeing you like infiltrate the beverage scene, um, which is really cool. Yeah, and we're super excited. When we saw that, you know, just today, I think there was something on Yahoo Finance by the company Tilray, which is like huge, like cannabis company out of California that said, you know, literally today they were like, THC seltzers are the future of beverages. I'm like, oh my God, we're onto something, guys. <laughs> You're like, yes, this, this is amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, you guys saw that a little bit before. That was the rest of the market is kind of catching on. And that first to market advantage, such a huge piece in the CPG industry. I mean, Red Bull is partially where it was. They've done brilliant marketing, but also they were first to market. They created the category, you know, which is huge. I tell everybody, Red Bull is literally a marketing company that just happens to have a beverage, right? And that's, kind of, that's kind of what we're trying to do as well. We're a marketing company that just happens to have a beverage too. And you literally are. Yeah, exactly. This is like the side project for the marketing company, uh, which is which is doing great things in the market. Awesome, awesome. Um, awesome. Last question for you: any any uh, advice that you have for anyone who is in the early stages of their CPG world, or they are thinking about launching something in the CPG space? Um, what advice would you have for them? I would say, really, really, really care and focus about your brand and what it's how it's perceived by end by the end user. You have to kind of curate that entire journey from the moment they see your product to the moment it's in their mouth, right? That entire journey, you guys should have it like down to a science of what they should expect along that whole way. A lot of people I see kind of, you know, get too lost in the analysis paralysis of launching a brand. I, I say just do it, jump into it. You're never going to be completely ready for anything in your life, I think. So you just have to just do it and learn along the way. And yeah, definitely focus on the brand, focus on on how you differentiate yourself from in the market, that's huge too. Because if you're just going to come out with another product that there's thousands of them there, why are people picking yours? That's really you have to sell the why and the story behind it over the actual product itself. We're we're realizing more and more that you know our can. I mean, our product's amazing and all that stuff. But if, even if we change up the formula in the future and change up the flavor a little bit in the future, people will still probably buy it because they're kind of uh, loyal to the brand. Same thing with Red Bull. Red Bull changes. I keep going back to Red Bull as an example because. I feel like in the beverage world, they have killed it. But you know, if Red Bull tomorrow decides to change their formula, no one's going to care because they are already married to the brand. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, uh, number one advice would be focus on the brand, focus on, on, on the brand equity and scale that way. 100%. I absolutely agree and couldn't agree more with that. Harji, thank you so much for sharing about Loki, your journey, and for bringing us out into the world. You are helping shape the beverage landscape. I'm really excited for people to get their hands on this. When I'm in the US, I can't wait to pick one up. Awesome. It was a pleasure talking to you. Okay. Thanks, Harji. That's it for this week, food friend. Thanks for tuning in. If the show helped you in any way, please go ahead and leave a rating or review of the show below. I also want to thank our sponsor one more time, the Food Brands That Sell program. 
the program to transform how you navigate the CPG industry and ultimately sets you up for success within it. Go ahead and get yourself on the waitlist using the link below, or you can put yourself on the waitlist at foodbrands.sellwaitlist.com. Catch you next time, food friend.